1: Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over forty years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for twenty-five years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rodie Fisher.
2: Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Thank you for joining us. My name is Rodie Fisher, and let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that where two or more come together in one accord, there you are in the midst. We thank you for being here. We ask, Lord, that you would be with um, Pastor Roy, my special guest. <clears throat> Please, Lord, um, be with uh, Sean and um, Guy in the booth, and also myself, and and the two outside that are praying for us, Lord. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. I'm going to read a psalm again, uh, as I always do, and we're in Psalm 55. I can't believe we're, we've gotten that far. And this psalm is again written by David, about 20, 72 of them are, about 72 or 75 are written by David. But again, this one is, um, he is in distress again. Not only is he upset, distressed, betrayed by his rebellious son, Absalom, but one of his closest confidants, um, a person goes to, 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 to temple with him or the synagogue, and um, They go to worship God together. They share each other's woes and thoughts. And I don't know about you, but if you're betrayed by some co-worker or some person you don't know, your enemy, like the couple of Psalms before this, he's being betrayed by um, the Doag and and the Zidamites. I, I think he's okay with the Zidamites because they're, Enemies, but when you're betrayed by someone you love, Absalom is his third son. Third, he loves him dearly, and his best friend, his closest confidant. I hope I don't destroy his name. A they are buddies. He's betrayed by both of them. You know, Absalom. You can read all, all about it. I'm not going to go into it now. You can read it in Second Samuel. 15 to 18. And, and the, Absalom is trying to take over. He's trying to be king. He's stopping people at the gate and saying bad things about his dad to get them thinking, wow, Absalom cares about me. Maybe he should be king. Anyhow, this is the scenario here. And when you think about these um, 23 verses that are in Psalm 55, you're, from verse 1 to 8, it talks about David being in distress. He's upset. He's calling out to God. When you think about verses 9 through 15, he's angry. He's indignant. He's wanting to, you know, really take his enemies down. And then, you know, in verse 16 to 23, his confidence in God. He knows where he stands in, in the Lord, and he knows where his help comes from. His help comes from the Lord. So let's begin in in in, um, in verse 1. Thank you for your word, Lord. We pray that you would give us understanding of your word. Um, So it says here for the director of music with stringed instruments, a um, maskil of David, verse one says, Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me and I am distraught. He is hurting. I don't know about you, but when you have been betrayed and it hits you in your core and you can hardly breathe, you're calling out to the Lord, you're in distress, you're upset, and this is this is where he's at. At the voice of the enemy and the snares of the wicked, for they bring down suffering upon me and revile me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. He's suffering, he's struggling. The terrors of death assail me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said that I that I I said that I, excuse me, that I had the wings of a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. He wants out of there. Have you ever felt so down, so much pain that you could just, you know, you just want to get out of there? Get me out of here, Lord. I would flee far away and stay in the desert, Selah. I would hurry to the place of my shelter, far from the tempest and the storm. So that's how hurt he was. He's in distress. He's, he, he's calling 911, which is the Lord. And here it goes. Now he's, he's angry. Confuse the wicked, O Lord. Confound their speech. I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they prowl about its walls, malice and abuse within them. Destructive forces are at work in the city. Threats and lives never leave the street. These are those two talking about him, lying about him, creating havoc. He sees it. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. See, that's the way I feel. And I know that you feel that way too. If it's the enemy, you can maybe stomach it a little bit. But if it's your one of your favorite sons, one of your favorite children, and your best buddy, It's hard to swallow. Okay, here we go. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a fool were raising himself against me, I could hide from him. But it is you, a man like yourself, my companion, my close friend. This is that guy with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship. They went to church together. They They went and bowed down before God together. As we walked within the throne of the house of God, here it is. They went together. Let death take my enemies by surprise. Oh, wow. I mean, he's, he's saying, take them down, Lord. Let them go down alive to their grave, for evil finds lodging among them. But I call to you, Lord. The Lord saves me. Evening and morning and noon, I cry, cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. He hears us when we call, when we cry. Even our moanings and groanings, he hears that. He ransoms me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. God, who is enthroned forever, will hear them and and afflict them, Selah. Men who never change their ways and have no fear of God. My companion attacks his friends. He violates his covenant. His speech is smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. This is his buddy, his friend doing this. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they're, they're, they are drawn swords. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall, but you, O oh God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of corruption. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men will not live out their days but as for me, I will trust in you. I love that. Thank you for your word, Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Path. That's what David is calling on the Lord for. I will trust you, he's saying. Wow. Thank you for letting me share just a little bit of God's word. I would like to introduce my special guest today. I I don't know how many years I've known him. I think I met him, well, let me just say this. I believe it was in the year 2000, maybe, maybe even earlier, that Pastor Adolf, who was Brother Adolf at the time, was the men's home director in Anaheim. And my husband and I used to go over there and and my husband did a Bible study and I would cook for the men. And I think there were about 28 or 29 to 35 men in this home. And it was such a blessing. Pastor Adolf wasn't married at the time. He wasn't pastor at the time. I still call him that, but he wasn't pastor at the time. He was um, just leading the men. That was a big job in itself. And we just love going over there. I think we went there at the beginning once a month and then every other week. And then it turned out to be weekly. And then we stayed and Pastor Vico took over. And he was not pastor then. But in between that, I would hear about Pastor Roy all the time. Um, And I believe Pastor Roy was the head of the men's home before they took over. Um, So it was Pastor... Correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor Roy. First, it was Pastor Adolf, and then Pastor Vico, and there was someone else. And I know it was Alfonso, but there was somebody else between Alfonso and or after Alfonso. Was it? It started with an H. Maybe Hector or. Um,
3: um I I think it was. Uh,
2: I can picture him. He's short. He's married. He not. I shouldn't say short, but he's kind of a big husky guy.
3: Um, I think there was an individual named Benny, but I think he was. Oh no, no, no. you're talking about Pastor Manuel. Manuel. Oh yes. Uh-huh. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It, it, that, he was there too. Yes. Yeah. So it was it was quite a number of years. Welcome, Pastor Roy. I'm so glad to see you. Um, it, he is pastor of the Victory Outreach Anaheim. Um, Victory Outreach, and he's been there. I'm gonna say it's got to be. 25 30 years maybe
3: Yeah it's uh actually in March it's it's been 28 years yes and
2: in, in Wow okay March. i was pretty close okay well welcome <laughs>
3: Well, uh, I just want to just say thank you for the invitation, Rodi, and uh, it's a blessing and a privilege to be here, and uh, you know to be able to to share what what the Lord has done inside of my life as a as a kid and as a teenager, and, and then uh, and the rest is history. Yes.
2: Yes. Okay. So before we um, get into what you're doing now share with the people that don't know you um, a little bit about where you were born. Um, were you an only child? How many kids in the family were you churchgoers? Mm-hmm. Did you, did you, um, go to church at all with your family um,
3: my my family I came from a large family a family of nine individuals uh we grew up in a poor neighborhood uh, you know really I think i can't think of a of a of a worse neighborhood in the city of santa Ana mm-hmm. I grew up in the city of santa Ana um, in in our, in our area there was a lot of poverty there was a lot of uh, uh, a lot of drugs, a lot of gang violence. Um, I remember as a little boy, I got up on a Sunday morning and, you know, and somebody told me that there was some issues taking place maybe about three, about three houses down the road. Um, and I went over there and I still remember, uh, there was a station wagon with two people that were in there and there was two women or maybe two girls, maybe age 18 or 19 or 20, something like that. But me as a little boy and, and they were, they were pretty much, if I could describe it, they're pretty much, all naked, but what happened is that somebody had killed them and and one of the girls was slumped over the the seat. so so that's pretty much the kind of area that I grew up in My family was poor um i was I was sharing with our church the other day that um um I can't remember talking to anybody like the way in the way that I grew up um our 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 house as was was rat infested. We were poor. I remember that there was some times that we'd be playing some hide and go seek and all that. There was a lot of kids, maybe about 10 or 15 of us playing in the street. After that, I would invite them to my house to, so as we're there and as we're sweating and tired, we're like, Hah. and then I, I would ask them if they, if they wanted something to eat. And I would open up the fridge and the fridge would be empty. So what I would have to do, I would have to get uh, some corn tortillas. And this is something you don't do. I mean, because uh, like a corn tortilla doesn't have a lot of taste, you know. Uh, It does, but it doesn't. Uh, So I would have to get some corn tortillas with peanut butter and just give it to the guys. I remember that my mom, because our family was so large and we're so poor, my dad was the only one working. And my mom would get some corn tortillas and put them in a big giant pot, and she would put some milk in there, and that's how she would feed us. So so that's pretty much the way that I grew up in, yes.
2: Okay, I want you to uh, follow that thought, hold that thought, but corn tortillas in a pot of milk, you said? Oh uh, yes. And then, what do you do with that? Just let it crumble and it doesn't no, turn it, like cereal,
3: or what? Uh, it? It, w- it would pretty much. I don't know. It, it would um, the tortillas would get soggy, and and that's how she would feed us. And oh, so, wow. so in other words, it would be something that would stretch out. But that's something that you don't hear, or that you don't hear like individuals eating. But she did that out of out of um, uh, necessity. Out of, there's, there's out no of necessity yeah. because of the poverty. Yes. Yeah.
2: Wow. Okay, so we're talking really poor here, and in the family of nine, where are you? Um, are you the oldest? Are you the youngest?
3: Uh, I'm the youngest of the men. We had those five uh, those five boys uh, and two girls, and then and another two were my parents. But I'm uh, I'm the youngest of the men. Yes.
2: Okay. Wow. Now, so we're talking really poor, but we're not just talking poor, but we're talking about. Um, really, crime infested. If you found two dead women outside, two dead girls outside, we're talking about a place that crime is riddled with crime and and all kinds of stuff.
3: Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. There's, Um. I mean, that just uh, if I could say that's only the tip of the iceberg. The <clears throat> I grew up in the area where, as well, the uh, you know, there's you know, there's organized crime. So I so I really kind of grew up uh, about two houses away from an individual that kind of. You know, that kind of was, was overseeing the, um, uh, s- some type of organization in Orange County. And, and, uh, so I grew, uh, I really grew up with the family. Um, but no, no, there, there was a lot of, um, like a lot of things taking place. I remember as a little boy that my kid, uh, that my family would go to school and, um, you know, they killed, uh, a teenager there and they killed him and, and the way that they killed him was with the hammer at a, at a junior high school. So, so that's pretty much like the way the, you know it was commonplace, there was homeless individuals, uh, you know, individuals hanging around at the tracks, and um, but yeah, yeah, there was a lot of poverty.
2: So, um, take me to your teenage years, um, because when do you get saved? How old are you?
3: Um, I became a Christian at age 17 and a half.
2: Okay, so you're in junior high and you're running with the wrong crowd, or you're running with the right crowd?
3: No, I was with the wrong crowd. Um, I mean, again, you. You have to understand that that my dad was the only one working, and so he had to make it happen. In other words, his bur- the the burden of the family was on 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 his shoulders. And you know, uh, I commend a lot of parents nowadays, but the way I grew up, I never, uh, I can't remember that my dad ever hugged me. I can't, I can't remember him even going to a school function. Uh, so, so I grew up in that element, and I went to school. Uh, as I went into junior high school I mean it was you know the setting or the kind of individual that I was and I'm not going to say that I went to the prison house because I never made it to the prison or even to the jail house but I mean on the second day of school I mean I get into a fight and wow. I get kicked out on the second day of school uh and and then I go to high school so um what happened is that one day me and my brother were walking on the railroad tracks and he says hey Roy hey um hey, I got something I go oh yeah uh, he goes, yeah, man, I got something, man. Uh, you, uh, so what he does, he offers me a marijuana cigarette, and that's the first time I ever I smoked a marijuana cigarette. Well, you could say maybe about a year later, I'm, uh, you know, I'm involved and I'm drink, uh, you know, I'm drinking and I'm smoking. So I walk down the street, and and as I'm loaded, if I could use the word buzz. So as I'm walking, I run into a group of guys, and I pretty much knew all these guys. So so they're big. So there began my gang affiliation. I started hanging around and it just got worse. Uh I started drinking even more. I started getting loaded more and 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 then I got involved in the gang scene. And um uh, in the city of Santa Ana, you know, there's there's a movie that came out a while back and it says straight out of Compton. Uh-huh. So so the thing I would do is that I would joke with the guys, I said, That's a joke. I said, That okay, that's okay, okay, it's cool. It kind of talks about the music, all that. But Compton, it literally, it literally has nothing on Santa Ana. So even when we go to LA and all that, um, as I grew up in Santa Ana, it's it's the LA of Orange County. So, but uh, I say that to say this that there was a lot of shootings, a lot of killings. I don't know how many funerals I went to. I remember one time, uh, I went with a group of guys, and the place was jam packed. It was it was on First Street. It was a place called the McDougal Funeral, and I went over there. And I even as soon as I went to a coffin, I I even fainted. So I went to so much funerals. So, what happened around that time, I had a friend of mine and, and his name, and his name was David Masao. i hope he 's watching this morning but uh, he and he kept coming to our neighborhood uh, at school. I would be at the school there'd be about thirty of us hanging around in in front of the school uh I would be in the neighborhood maybe about 30, 40 of us hanging around and out of everybody he would come on his little moped he would come on on the on yellow station wagon and 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 what he would do he would he would out of everybody he would always come and talk to me. And even to the point where I would be, I'll be drunk or I'll be loaded and I'll be thinking, you know what? In my mind, I'm cussing at this guy in my mind and I'm saying, you know what? <laughs> I need to just beat him up. I mean, that's what I need to do. I i, I need him to stop bugging me. But he, he, he kept on even, even a lot of times he would come to my house and, and say, Roy, Jesus loves you. He wants to come into your heart. So, so one day, um, it was, it was around that time where I started to get arrested. I started to, I started to go to juvenile hall. But at that time is, is where God was drawing me to him. I was being drawn to the Lord. I started reading the Bible. And then, so I, I was in between. And then, and then when I came out, when I came out, I went back to the neighborhood and I went to a party on Third in the Spirit in, in the city of Santa Ana. And there, um, I had my big trench coat. It, there was a lot of people dancing and partying and doing the whole thing, and the music playing loud. And I'm, I'm, I'm to the side, and I'm thinking about, I mean, what am I doing here? So, uh, an individual described it. Uh, I think it, it was Billy Graham that said that when you feel like that, it's something called cosmic. Uh, it's called cosmic loneliness. is what God's trying to get your attention. So I'm there. And then shortly after that, there's a fight that broke out. There were there some rivals that were in there. What happened is that we 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 went and chased them away, and then we came back. And there I am in the corner again, and I'm all by myself. And I'm thinking about, I mean, what am I doing here? I mean, what am I doing with my life? I shouldn't even be. I I, I don't even want to be here. So what happened is that I, I walked down the street. I went I went down the spirit to First Street, and I walked all the way towards Fairview because our family the the our family had moved over there to, uh, at that point. And, and I started praying. I said, God, if you could change my life the same way that, the same way that you changed David's life, then I want you to deliver me. I want you to help me. I want you to forgive me. I don't want to be like this no more. And, you know, the thing, the thing I mentioned to people is, is, um, you know, in our services, sometimes I'll say, I said, why can't people be like me? And then, and then, so what I have to do, I have to kind of clarify it. I said, uh, you know, before anybody starts thinking that I'm arrogant and proud. No, no, I'm not, I'm not talking about all that. I'm not saying that I'm a big person. I'm saying when I accepted Jesus, what I did, I took him at his word and every single day. And it's been 40 years in 2021. It's, it's been 40 years that I gave my heart to Jesus. So, so why can't people just be for reals and serve the Lord? Because I tell, uh, I mentioned to people, if I'm, if I'm not going to serve God, then I'm not going to serve God. I'm not going to be in and out of church. I mean, you're not going to see me. You're not gonna see me in homes and churches and different places and uh you know in conferences. What I'm gonna do is that I'm um I'm literally gonna go on into the world. So either I'm gonna be involved in society doing some things, or else I'm you know, um I'll be in prison. Uh, so but but why can't people be like me? Just serve the Lord. It, it's so simple that it's so difficult. So I accepted the Lord on that day. And the way that I knew that Jesus had changed my life, because remember this, I'm still in high school and and the way that I knew that Jesus had changed my life, I'm um, I'm getting ready, okay. Now, you know, because of the poverty part that I mentioned to you guys, um, uh, I wasn't like a lot of the uh, I wasn't like a lot of other kids where you got moms and dads or brothers and sisters where they take their family to to school. Well, with me, I mean, I always had to walk. So now I'm walking maybe, I will say about five, six, seven miles. I lived over there off of McFadden in Fairview, and, and I had to walk all the way to Santa Ana High School. So so one day, as, as I'm getting ready in the morning, I'm in the bathroom, and I'm getting ready, and then I'm going through my wallet. And uh, and as I'm going through my wallet, I, I find uh, a marijuana cigarette, uh, a joint. So I find that in... In my wallet and I pull it out and I say, whoa, man, uh, I, you know, I found something right here. And in the morning, and I'll be honest, in those days, a long time ago, I used to love to smoke weed. In fact, I was, you know, I started dealing weed. I would, I would get my lunch. I would take, you know, so I'll be selling it at school and all that. Uh, and the reason being is that my brother was a connection of, of kilos and all these lids and all, you know, you know, those days, uh, you know, those dimes and all that. And then so I, I seen it. And as I'm in the, uh, uh, as I'm in the bathroom, I go ahead and, and I say, you know what? That's it. I mean, I'm through with this. That's it. No, 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 no. You know, I quit with all this. So what I did, I got the, I got the cigarette, I got the joint and I tore it up and I threw it in the toilet. I flushed the toilet and the rest is history. I made a commitment to Jesus. Uh, it, I mean, if I want to, then I'm going to go ahead and go do all that, but I don't want to, I want to serve the Lord. So, so that's how I knew that God had changed my life.
2: Wow, right then and there he yeah. he you made a hundred and eighty degree turn and started walking with Jesus. So that's a that's a significant change in your life. You're you're passing up, you know, one of these joints and you're you're saying no to that and you're gonna follow. Was there any other change that happened immediately? Like do you I, I know that you're reading your Bible even before you got saved. So reading your Bible, you continue to read your Bible. Now, do you do you seek out a church? Do you call David um, and try to find him and tell him what what should I do now, or what do you do?
3: Um, I started attending a church uh, where the, the, there was a church. It was called the Eagles Nest. But but here's what happened. So so I if know I, the
2: Eagles Nest.
3: So 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 if I could backtrack on that, what uh, see this is why if if you're involved in ministry, if you're a Christian, uh, this is why you're. Your influence is very important. I remember a guy, and I'll mention his name. His name is Errol Carey. His name is Errol Carey, uh, an an African American gentleman. He, when I was locked up, he found out that I wanted to serve the Lord, and he was a Christian counselor at a place called YGC. And as I'm there, uh, he he attended a church called Calvary Chapel, the one in Costa Mesa. So he, what he would do, he would pull me aside, and, and he would say, "Hey, Roy." Let me, let me, I just got to go and talk to you. Um, You know, I want to tell you a little bit about the Lord. So I'm not supposed to be talking to you about God because this is a state facility, is a county facility. So he said, afterwards, I want you to meet with me over here at the, at the parking lot. They got some benches out there and I want you to meet with me. So, so when I got out, I, I met with them maybe about two times. And what he did, he was actually discipling me. He was, he was, he was working with me because you got to remember there was at that time there was not a lot of christians i mean even though there were christians but there was not a lot of christians that were influential now there's there's christians all over the place i mean they're in the, in the nfl they're they're in hollywood they're they're in different places in politics and all that so what happened with him he he said i want to work with you i want to teach you about about prayer i want to teach you about th-. so so i met with him the first time on the second time i met with him he was able to encourage me and pray with me but then he dropped How could you say he dropped the bomb on me? He said, Roy, I just want you to know that me and my wife are going to be sent over here to Hawaii and, uh, and we're going to go ahead and do a work for the Lord. And, and, uh, so I just want you to know this is, you know, it's going to be the last time that I'm going to be able to sit down with you and just kind of work with you and help you. And I kind of found in my mind I said, "Dude, I mean, you're leaving me, man. It's like, you know, um, I mean, I want to serve the Lord. So what I did, I just applied what what he told me. I continued to read. I continued to go to Bible study. Um, I was listening to TBN, and 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 then on top of that, uh, I was going to church. And I was so hungry for God that I, uh, I actually started going to a lot of churches. I would go to different churches every single night of the week. I got. Uh, I would go to this church. I would go to that church. I would go over here. I even got baptized in a place called Malady Land, You know where they make you wear a robe, <laughs> and so that's I mean, where I, I mean, got baptized. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. They, they, it was. Uh. So, so what they do. So what they did is that they made me wear a white robe, and and uh, so so I got baptized actually there, uh, and then so so I just continued to to serve the Lord. Yes.
2: Wow, that's so good. Uh, you know, I'm listening to your story, and I have to tell you that. My kids were in school when I got saved and um, in 1973. They were in preschool, and I went to a different Bible study during the day, every day. Found one over there at Knott Avenue Christian Church on Knott Avenue. I went to Melody Land. I went to Costa Mesa, Calvary Chapel, I mean, Calvary Chapel, uh, Costa Mesa. So there was a Bible study every day of the week, and I went. And then on Sundays... I went to Calvary Chapel, um, Costa Mesa in the morning. And then I went to second service at at Melody Land. So, gosh, you know, when you're hungry for the Lord, you'll find him. I mean, he will give you places to to get fed. And that's what I needed. And it sounds like that's what you needed. And you found a way. That's so beautiful. Okay, so I need to ask you, when... So you're you're li- still living at home. You're still doing. Um, you're still, you know, part of this huge family. Do you do you get to minister to the other kids in your family or your parents, or when does that come along?
3: Yeah, when 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 I gave my heart to the Lord, uh, and um, there there, what I would do because I was so hungry for God. So what I would do, I would go into the neighborhood. I would go to a park on outside of park. I would go down Third Street. I would go to different areas and and I would I would go preach the gospel. And a lot of times I would go by myself. I would go with groups. But a lot of times I would go by myself. And and I'm not um how could you say this without without um without sounding a little boastful? There was what I would do is that I had a clunky old car, and what I would do, I would be coming down the street or else I would be on my bicycle. And I would literally go to my neighborhood, and there would be maybe like 30, 40 guys out there. And and when they saw me coming, because I would come I would come a lot. Uh, uh, so when they saw me coming, I would literally saw individuals running away. I saw guys jumping fences because they didn't want to hear what I had to say. Wow. And yeah. The
2: power of God.
3: Yes, yes, the power okay. of God. Okay. Um,
2: that's another interesting thing because, you know, in my eyes, I was— like the worst kid in my family. And, you know, I had a bunch of brothers, you know, three brothers and a sister that I thought were walking the straight and narrow path. And so when I got saved, I felt so lost. And now I'm found that if you stood next to me in the grocery line, I was going to ask you if you knew about Jesus and let him know how much he loved you. And if you were close to me in the bank line, it's the same thing. I was not only hungry for his word, but I was hungry to share his word. And that seems like what happened to you, too. Yeah. So you started preaching at the parks, sharing the gospel with as many people as you could in the neighborhood. And how long does that go on? So you're in high school now.
3: Uh, yeah. What I started to do, um, I was actually, I went to church on, on Sunday morning. And then, and then in the afternoon, I went to a picnic of another church. So there at that, at that church, what happened is that these individuals said, Hey, there's a new church in town. And, you know, they were playing oldies. Man, that sounded good, you know. So, I, so what happened? I started attending a, a different church and, uh, which was Victor Outreach. But what, uh, the reason I say that's because of this, Th- there was a lot of times because I did not have a car in my early years. And so what I would do, I would go on a bike. And and I remember a lot of times when I would come to church that there was people that were my age that when I would when I would be coming into the church I would see them in some nice beautiful cars and and the way I found is that they would look at me as like hey even though we're Christians but I have a nice car and look at you I mean you're on a bike so I would feel this small
2: it's little judgment going there a little
3: judgment yeah. so mm-hmm. so the way I it's like somebody once said the people will not remember what you said but they'll 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 always remember how you made them feel. So uh, as I'm as I'm there uh, after the church service, what I would do, uh, uh, and it was unbeknownst to them, what I would do on my way home, I would go through my neighborhood, I would go to different streets, and and wherever I would see people, I would stop and I would witness to them. Mm-hmm. So so the Lord was able to use me like that, yeah, and wow. it w- it was exciting.
2: So Pastor Roy, when do you feel a calling on your life to be in ministry? like informal ministry you're you're doing the street witnessing on your own no no um organized group you just feel the lord is is put it on your heart to do it you're sharing from the heart when does it become real to you that I'm going to be a pastor or the Lord has calling on my life. I'm going to be teaching a Bible study or whatever it is.
3: Uh, yeah. the um, I got involved in the life of the church. And so. And this is
2: Victory Outreach. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, and,
3: and the reason I started, uh, I started attending Victory Outreach, I would I would go to the church. And even though I was going to the other church on Sunday mornings, but I would go to different services. And one day the the pastor that was there before, his name was Raymond Lopez. What he would say is, uh, he was saying, you know what, how, how would it be if I'm in the Army, and I'm in the Army, and I feel excited, but about a month later, I say, you know what, I don't want to be in the Army no more. I want to be in the Navy, and then I transfer to the Navy, and then I'm in the Navy for three months, and all of a sudden, I start feeling, I, I hate the Navy because, you know, I get seasick, and I don't even want to be part of this, and then all of a sudden, transfer he goes to the Marines and, and then the same thing happens where he ends up in the air force. So, you know, you have to stay in one branch of the, you know, so on of a sudden what happened is that God, he kind of drew me in. He said, you know what, this is where I want you. So when uh, I started getting involved as usher, I got involved as an usher, I think they even put me in the children's ministry. I would be going to the streets. I would, I would be part of the, the evangelism team. I even, uh, I, w- I was part of a, of a street drama team. So I pretty much got involved in a lot of, a lot of segments of the church. Uh, and so what happened is that later on, as time went on, the, um, I, uh, I was working and, um, you could say maybe about two, three years later, and uh, so, as I'm working and, and an individual named benny he he would be coming around, and benny was a leader of the church, so he would he would come to my job because his workplace was maybe around the block from me. He would say, Roy, I can't take you off my mind. I'm sorry. You know what? I just, um, you know, I want you to come and help me. I'm about to run a home and I want you to be my assistant. But in my mind, it it was, was kind of like, I ain't going to no home. I mean, that's for people that are involved in drugs. That's for people. Even though I grew up in a neighborhood, I never been to the prison house. I never stuck a needle in my arm. I don't even have a tattoo on my body. If I could say that, you know, so because I got saved at that time, and so he would he would come over and say, "Roy, I just can't get you off my mind. I'm praying for you. I need your help." And I said, "In my mind, I mean, I got two cars. I'm in the church. I'm a Bible study leader. I'm a young guy. Uh, I'm working. I got money in my pocket. I'm about to buy me a. a I'm gonna I'm buy a motorcycle. I got insurance on my on my vehicles, you know. And and and, and I'm giving to the Lord. And and you know, I'm involved in ministry." And then, so what happened is that one day they they set up a meeting, and it was where where all the leaders. So I started talking to Benny, and and uh, I guess he felt that I uh, that I was saying okay, you know. But what happened is that the pastor was there, which is Pastor Bruce, and so there was maybe about twenty of them. And then all of a sudden, the pastor he says this: it's, it's um, it was at a place. What was it called? Herschels, I think there was a. There's a big like a hamburger place called Herschels. Uh, it was off the 57 freeway, and so so these leaders, he goes, "Hey, Roy, hey, I I, uh, I hear that you want to go into the home to help out," and and so what he did, he put me on the spot in front of all these leaders. I mean, I'm not gonna shirk away. I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna shy away. And so I said, "Well, yeah, yeah." So, so that led to another. So what happened? I ended up, uh, I gave a two weeks notice to my job. Uh, I went into the home and I mean, I'm thinking it's going to be kind of more like a, a spiritual Disneyland, like a resort, but it was, uh, I'm you, you know, it wasn't like that. You know, there was individuals that came in, you know, they're on drugs and they're kicking drugs. And, you know, there, there was a lot of individuals. And I remember this, that this, uh, I'm a young guy, you know, there's people coming in, they're age 40, they're 55. There's other people that got a, you know, they got big mustaches with tattoos. There's a lot of different individuals. You know, they come in. And, um, so that pretty much it, it led to the organizational type of ministry where I'm involved in. And, and actually I was there for three years. And for the first six months of being in that rehab home, I wanted to leave every single day, every single day. There was not a day that I did not want to leave, but I'm not a quitter. I'm not, I'm not going to stop. So what, what I did a lot and, and I still do, um, I stayed in the prayer closet. I had to spend time in the prayer closet because so in, in the home, you got the director and then I was assistant director. And then under me, you got the head staff and then under the head staff, you got maybe about five or six of the counselors that are the staff. So it was pretty, uh, it was pretty organized and we had about 30 guys. So, so you needed to, you know, uh, you needed to be organized B- because if you're not organized, uh, th- I mean, there's, I mean, there's going to be chaos. I mean, there's going to be fights. There's going to be people wanting to leave the home and go do drugs and then come back, and so there are you know all kinds of different things. So, so remember this. I'm about 22 years of age, and and, and I'm dealing with all these individuals that are a lot older. But I learned a lot. Um, I learned um uh, a lot of different things in the home. Yes.
2: Wow. You know, I. I was kind of mesmerized the first time my, my husband and I went to and went into the men's home because previous to going into the men's home and, and ministering to the men where my husband did a Bible study, we would call up and say, hey, you know, I have a friend that's moving. Can you send a few guys to help us move or whatever? They would We would use the men's home to to give us help to work. And we still do that today if we need help to, you know, cut down trees in our yard or whatever. We always call Victory Outreach. Yeah. And that was what I thought Victory I don't know what they were doing at the home. I didn't even really think about them recovering. Yeah. And I remember the first time we went there, Brother Manuel came up to me and said, Sister Rody you see that guy over there? Because he was in the home at the time. See that guy over there? If it wasn't for Jesus, I'd kill him. And I go, whoa, I never heard words like that. And I thought I, I led kind of a sheltered life and I go, Really, Emmanuel? He goes, Yep. He goes, We are in two different two different gangs. That guy would be dead. Yeah. And I thought, Well, oh, we're talking about really hardcore here, but we learn to love the guys in the home. Um, they're just like you and me. They they want, you know, they need Jesus in their life. They need a savior. Um I remember when my husband shared his testimony with the guys. He said, you know, I never did drugs. I never smoked. I never drank. He said, but even I needed a savior. And he says, I don't know what you guys did, but whatever it was, You guys probably know why you need a Savior, but I needed a Savior, too. I had to come to the saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And um, I remember the first saying that used to have because we brought dinner over for them. They go, oh, my gosh, we're used to having beans and rice and Jesus Christ. I love that saying. But anyway, tell me how things moved along in the men's home to where you're no longer the assistant that you're running the place.
3: Um I really wasn't running the place what happened at that time I was there for three years and um so at, at that point there was the leadership in the home was was pretty strong so I, I kind of felt at that time that I needed to go on because the, the, there was uh, i came to the point as and I felt as if I was not growing anymore and so what happened uh I went into the life of the church after three years. And then at that point, I you could say that the following year I got married with my son's mom, and so there um, uh, I continue in the life of the ministry. And what happened is that shortly after that, uh, you could say maybe about two or three years later, the call came to become the pastor. And the church at that time was in the city of Buena Park, and it was it was it was a small fellowship. What what I um, even though uh, you know if I can ask. Uh, I can answer the question that you asked me um, about 10 minutes ago, as far as being a pastor, I tell our church and, you know, I'll say publicly, I never wanted to be a pastor. Hmm. I never, it was, it was, it was further. It was further, it was further from my dreams. And I mean, a lot of individuals now you see them in ministry and even in our ministry, other ministry, and they're like, Oh, I know God's called me. I can't wait to get behind the pulpit. I can't wait to be used. Oh, I want to be a pastor. I want to take a city." And all that is, is fine and dandy. I think those are some, some pretty good goals. But with me, I never really wanted to be a pastor, uh, because, because I thought about, about the dealing of, of, of with people and with families and their issues and just all the different things. What I wanted to do was to continue doing what I was doing, which was preaching the gospel. I really wanted to be a missionary. And, uh, I felt called to go to the nations. But what happened is that God opened up the door. So 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 I kind of felt, okay, well, I mean, if I can't go out, then maybe what I'll just do, I'll just start to develop individuals that or you know, I'll develop teams to to continue to preach the gospel in our city, in our county, and even to the different states and to the different uh even to the different nations around the world. And uh yeah, and uh so so I just continued in ministry. I got called so so I went to the city of Buena Park, And then shortly after that we started to have some big crusades. There was, um, I, I think, I think, uh, over time we had some crusades that I think the first one was about 8,000 people. Uh, I think the second one that we had was about 9,000 people. The, the next one I think was about 11,000 people and it was held at the Glover Stadium. It's, it's off of harbor and La Palma. So, uh, there's a big stadium there. And so there, there, the, there was a, as time went on, we could just continued to win souls for Jesus. Yes.
2: Right. And so you're talking about in the Orange County area, then, that you were concentrating on reaching the the masses?
3: Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, okay. we, we, we started to do some dramas and we developed some dramas. And, and uh, so, we, yes, yeah, in Orange County.
2: I, I want to clarify a couple of things for our, our listeners, because we have listeners from all over the world, because this thing gets on podcasts and the Internet, and it, I, I get emails from places that I never heard of sometimes. But anyhow, um, Santa Ana. If you're thinking about Disneyland, so this is for the viewers out there. If you're thinking about where Disneyland is, Disneyland is in is in northern Orange County, um, in in a city called Anaheim. And he grew up in a city called Santa Ana, which is a little bit south and a little bit probably west of of where where Anaheim is. And um, that's actually where the county courts are and those kind of things. It's kind of interesting that the county courts are all there. And there's so much, you know, at the time that you grew up, there's a lot of crime, a lot of um, things going down, but that's kind of the physical place of where he was, where he grew up. Now he's talking about a place in Buena Park, which is again in Northern Orange County, and it's where Knott's Berry Farm is. It's the big landmark there, and the the men's home that was there was it on Western? Is it the the one that was on Western?
3: Oh uh, yes, okay. it, it, it was about two minutes away from Knott's Berry Farm. Yes.
2: Right. Okay. So that's that's kind of where we we, we would minister when um, Pastor um, um, Pastor uh, um, Adolf was and Vico. Okay, so that is close to where Knott's Berry Farm is. Yes. So we're not talking about a huge difference in in, in area. We're talking about maybe a range of about 20 miles, if you drew a circle, uh, from where Anaheim, Santa Ana, and and Buena Park is. So uh, you stayed pretty much in that area then. You grew up in Santa Ana, and you, you stayed pretty much right in that Orange County area.
3: Yes, yes. Uh, e- even though there was a lot of times where where I felt, in when when I was in the home and just kind of uh, you know if I could backtrack a little bit, what happened is that is that the Lord opened up doors. I kind of started feeling as if God wanted to do something with me. And w- w- what happened is that the pastor he sent me to Amsterdam, Holland, and mm-hmm. and I lived in Amsterdam, Holland for six months, uh, and it was an experience. It was it was part of the three years that I was in the home. So. I was there for 3 years as a missionary and I was able to to witness firsthand all the different things taking place in in Dam Square uh in the place called Lights of Plain or even in a red light district or even uh you know in the whole city and uh it was a very interesting a very uh like a very memorable time of my life and uh I mean you, you uh you know if you think about the city even even it's funny because I was talking to an individual this morning and and he he even brought up hey, Roy he said he said pastor are are you ever going to be going back to amsterdam i said well you know maybe and and then and then i started to describe it how how the city has an oppression over it so i was there for 6 months and there was it was so bad where an individual has to pray before you go out into public and then and then even when you come back you have to pray because there's there's a bondage a spiritual oppression over the city but but even at that time when i went over there, the lord was still able to use me there was on a saturday uh, a team had gone out, and I had volunteered to go with that team and and as we went to and as we went to evangelize, we went to a place called Lightsaplane around that whole area so we 're passing on flowers for their Bible study that was in the area and then in uh in that place in the Lightsaplane area th- there's a big old giant square, and in that square there's where a lot of people they do like the little acts uh, uh as if to get money they put like a little hat and they they you know they allow people to put money in their little hats well what happened on that day there was these two individuals there was there was this one guy that put a big old giant blanket. And what he did, he broke some bottles of, of some wine or some beer, whatever. And he put in the blanket. And by this time, maybe there's about, I will say about two to 300 people that, that were roundabout and they were watching to see what he was going to do. And then, and then his buddy, uh, and then his buddy put his little hat there. And so the guy started to walk on the blanket. He started to walk on the glass because, uh, in the city of Amsterdam, there's a lot of tourists. So all of a sudden, as I'm there, it, um, I, I felt as if God was speaking to me. And, I'm, you know, I'm not one of those guys where, oh, okay, well, the Lord spoke to me. You know, it's like, you know, there's people, you know, I mean, if they have that kind of relationship, that's that's a beautiful thing. But, you know, but the Lord doesn't always speak to me like that. So the way they were speaking to me, I felt as if my heart started beating. And all of a sudden, when I see this whole crowd, all of a sudden, I feel like, boom, 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 boom. So, and it just as if God was saying, son, I need you to tell the people right now. I want you to tell them about my love. I want you to tell them about Jesus Christ. I want you to do it. And I want you to do it now. So as I'm there, uh, as I'm there. Also, the heartbeat, and and I'm hesitating because it's like you know, number one, God, I I, I don't, uh, I mean, I don't speak Dutch in, a, um, in a very fluent way. Also, number two, I mean, I mean, you know, I don't want the people to get mad and you know this whole thing. So I'm starting to deliberate. I'm starting to hesitate. So at that moment, so so the beating starts going down. It starts, pum, 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 and it just as a God saying, hey, look at I need you to do it now. If not, okay, I'm not, I'm not. So. What I did i spoke I spoke the little dust that I knew, and I said, "I want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you, that he wants to come into your life and then I started to tell I started to tell him about the church and um so as I'm preaching, everybody's like, "Whoa who's, who's this guy man and then what is he saying so so I started to preach the gospel, and then at that point, his assistant, the guy that was walking on the glass, his assistant, came up to me and he said, "Hey man, get out of here, man, this is not your show this is our show. get out of here." But I didn't listen to him. I continued to preach the gospel. So about five minutes later, I'm there with, with a group of people and we're about to leave now. All of a sudden there's, there's these two big gentlemen, you know, these individuals were tall and, and, and these guys come up to me and this one guy tells me, uh, hello. I was wondering if I could have a word with you. We're from, we're, uh, you know, we're from the BBC from Northern Belfast, Ireland. And, uh, if, is it, is it possible for us to, is it possible to interview you? And so, so the guys were able to interview us. And so he interviewed myself and, and then, and then also another brother. And then those two reporters came to the church on Sunday morning. And after that, they, uh, what happened is that they interviewed the pastor and some leaders in the church. And that broadcast, it went throughout our Europe. So, uh, you know, the Lord was able to use me at that, at that, at that point. And, uh, Amsterdam is a very, uh, uh, it's a very needy city. But what happened is that later on with our church, I started to develop leaders. And at that point, we started to launch out churches. We, we sent out about seven churches. And so, because when you start churches, they're they're tools of evangelism. So, uh, I sent the first individual, and his name was Philip. His wife's name was Berta at that time, and they went into the Boyle Heights area uh, in the city of Los Angeles. So, uh, and then after that, we sent Pastor Rico, we sent Pastor Ada, we sent Pastor Manuel, we started a Spanish ministry, So, and then we sent somebody to Kansas City. So, the rest is kind of, but that's, uh, yeah, that's what I found about reaching the world for Jesus, yes.
2: Wow. I cannot believe this time has gone by so fast. Part of the Big Ten is ignoring who God is, having another idol in your life that's not God. Thou shall not have any other idols before me, he says. He's a jealous God. Remember the Sabbath day. That's one of the Big Ten. So maybe that's you that has ignored God. Maybe you think you're God in your life. Maybe you are the kingpin listen, Jesus died for you too. And you are such a babe right now. You probably don't know how to walk this walk. Just like he said, he had a mentor and that mentor left him. It was like the a dark day for him. It's like, oh my gosh, now I've got to do this on my own. Well, you need to be mentored too. Write us, let us know, and we'll point you in the right direction. But the first thing you need to know is talk to him. He hears you. That's God. That's Jesus, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And get into this Bible. I would start from the New Testament. Start in... um Matthew, and continue to read until the end. And maybe then you can start at the beginning in, Ge- in Genesis. But thank you for joining us today. God bless you. We'll see you the next time with, uh, with Rody Fisher on the Road with Jesus. See you then.
1: Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus you'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rhodey Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com spelled R-A-H-F-I-S-H-E-R at ontheroadwithjesus.com or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhodey Fisher.